There are more than 300 episodes of Listen to Sleep, all available for free because of the generous support of our sponsors. And while you'll never hear any ads after the story or meditation starts, you can get every episode ad-free, plus over 100 bonus episodes, all for less than the price of one cup of coffee a month by going to listentosleep.com and clicking on support. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Eric, and this is Listen to Sleep. Slow, quiet stories to help you fall asleep. Once or twice every winter, we usually get a little bit of snow up here at the cabin. And this week was our first snowfall of the season. We have kind of a Mediterranean climate here, so snow is pretty unusual, although it's really, really beautiful. It didn't snow a whole bunch down where we are. We're only at about a thousand feet elevation. But halfway up the driveway, the snow line took over, and up the hillsides everywhere you could see snow. On my walk the other day, I took a picture and posted it on the blog at listentosleep.com if you want to see what it looked like. I'd like to thank Melissa for joining the Patreon this week. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. You can join the Patreon for just $1 a month. And you can get more information about that at the website as well. Or you can just go straight to patreon.com slash listen to sleep. There's a link in the show notes. That $1 goes towards helping to make the podcast better. And a little bit of it goes into my retirement fund. So that one day I can be your bedtime storyteller for my retirement. Tonight's story is a sleepy tale about an overnight boat trip in 19th century New Zealand. 
Now, I don't know how you're listening to this podcast. Maybe you're wearing some painful earbuds, which will be lost in your bed come morning, or maybe through a little speaker on the bedside table, keeping the whole house awake. Or maybe you're just playing it through your phone. But none of these were ever designed for bedtime. Now, just imagine for a second, you're snuggled up in bed, totally relaxed, your ear nuzzled deep into your comfy pillow, and my voice is magically playing back to you. No painful earbuds, no tangled wires, just total comfort and the sound you love. Well, imagine no more, because this is exactly what today's sponsor is here to help with. The Sleep Bar is an advanced under-pillow speaker that turns your pillow into the comfiest earphone ever. With a customizable shutdown timer, a huge battery that lasts multiple nights, and bone conduction audio that won't wake your partner. It's got everything you need to transform your bedtime listening. And they've given our listeners a limited number of 20% off codes. Simply head to Dusker.com. That's D-U-S-K-E-R.com. And enter the code LTS20 to claim yours. Let's settle in with a deep breath. In. And out. Just feel yourself lying against the mattress, sinking into the bed. Nothing to do, nowhere to go. Another deep breath in and out. This is your time, quiet time, time to rest. One more deep breath in and out. if it helps to focus on your breath that's one thing that always helps me sleep I breathe in and out and then I count one and I do it up to ten and start over again it's the single best sleep meditation I've ever found You can do it while you're listening to the story or any time that you need help falling asleep or just getting calm and centered. If you start falling asleep while I'm reading to you, that's okay. Just let yourself nod off. The Voyage The Picton boat was due to leave 
at half past eleven. It was a beautiful night, mild, starry. Only when they got out of the cab and started to walk down the old wharf that jutted out into the harbor, a faint wind blowing off the water ruffled under Fenella's hat, and she put up her hand to keep it on. It was dark on the old wharf, very dark. The old wool sheds, the cattle trucks, the cranes standing up so high, the little squat railway engine, all seemed carved out of solid darkness. Here and there, on a rounded woodpile, that was like the stalk of a huge black mushroom. There hung a lantern, but it seemed afraid to unfurl its timid, quivering light in all that blackness. It burned softly, as if for itself. Fenella's father pushed on with quick, nervous strides. Beside him, her grandma bustled along in her crackling black ulster. They went so fast that she had now and again to give an undignified little skip to keep up with them, as well as her luggage strapped into a neat sausage. Fenella carried clasped to her her grandmother's umbrella, and the handle which was a swan's head, kept giving her shoulder a sharp little peck, as if it too wanted her to hurry. Men, their caps pulled down, their collars turned up, swung by. A few women, all muffled, scurried along. And one tiny boy, only his little black arms and legs showing out of a white woolly shawl, was jerked along angrily between his father and mother. He looked like a baby fly that had fallen into the cream. Then suddenly, so suddenly that Fenella and her grandma both leapt, there sounded from behind the largest wool shed that had a trail of smoke hanging over it. First whistle, said her father briefly, and at that moment they came in sight of the Picton boat. Lying beside the dark wharf, all strung, all beaded with round golden lights, the Picton boat looked as if she was more ready to sail among the stars than out into the cold sea. People pressed along the gangway. First went her grandma, then her father, then Fenella. There was a high step down onto the deck, and an old sailor in a jersey standing by gave her his dry, hard hand. They were there. They stepped out of the way of the hurrying people, and standing under a little iron stairway 
that led to the upper deck, they began to say goodbye. There, mother, there's your luggage, said Fenella's father, giving grandma another strapped up sausage. Thank you, Frank. And you've got your cabin tickets safe? Yes, dear. And your other tickets? Grandma felt for them inside her glove and showed him the tips. That's right. He sounded stern, but Fenella, eagerly watching him, saw that he looked tired and sad. The second whistle blared just above their heads, and a voice like a cry shouted, Any more for the gangway? You'll give my love to father, Fenella saw her father's lips say. And her grandma, very agitated, answered, Of course I will, dear. Go now. You'll be left. Go now, Frank. Go now. It's all right, mother. I've got another three minutes. To her surprise, Fenella saw her father take off his hat. He clasped Grandma in his arms and pressed her to him. God bless you, mother, she heard him say. And Grandma put her hand with the black thread glove that was worn through on her ring finger against his cheek. And she sobbed, God bless you, my own brave son. This was so awful that Fenella quickly turned her back on them, swallowed once, twice, and frowned terribly at a little green star on a masthead. But she had to turn round again. Her father was going. Goodbye, Fenella. Be a good girl. His cold, wet mustache brushed her cheek. But Fenella caught hold of the lapels of his coat. How long am I going to stay? She whispered anxiously. He wouldn't look at her. He shook her off gently and gently said, We'll see about that. Here, where's your hand? He pressed something into her palm. Here's a shilling, in case you should need it. A shilling? She must be going away forever. Father, cried Fenella. But he was gone. He was the last off the ship. The sailors put their shoulders to the gangway. A huge coil of dark rope went flying through the air and fell, pump, on the wharf. A bell rang. A whistle shrilled. Silently, the dark wharf began to slip, to slide, to edge away from them. Now there was a rush of water between. Fenella strained to see with all her might. Was that father turning round or waving 
or standing alone, or walking off by himself. The strip of water grew broader, darker. Now the Picton boat began to swing round steady, pointing out to sea. It was no good looking any longer. There was nothing to be seen but a few lights, the face of the town clock hanging in the air, and more lights, little patches of them on the dark hills. The freshening wind tugged at Fenella's skirts. She went back to her grandma. To her relief, grandma seemed no longer sad. She had put the two sausages of luggage, one on top of the other, and she was sitting on them, her hands folded, her head a little on one side. There was an intent, bright look on her face. Then Fenella saw that her lips were moving and guessed that she was praying. But the old woman gave her a bright nod, as if to say the prayer was nearly over. She unclasped her hands, sighed, clasped them again, bent forward, and at last gave herself a soft shake. And now, child, she said, fingering the bow of her bonnet strings, I think we ought to see about our cabins. Keep close to me, and mind you don't slip. Yes, Grandma. And be careful the umbrellas aren't caught in the stair rail. I saw a beautiful umbrella broken in half like that on my way over. Yes, Grandma. Dark figures of men lounged against the rails. In the glow of their pipes, a nose shone out, or the peak of a cap, or a pair of surprised-looking eyebrows. Fenella glanced up. High in the air, a little figure, his hands thrust in his short jacket pockets, stood staring out to sea. The ship rocked ever so little, and she thought the stars rocked too. And now a pale steward in a linen coat, holding a tray high in the palm of his hand, stepped out of a lighted doorway and skimmed past them. They went through that doorway, carefully, over the high brass-bound step on the rubber mat, and then down such a terribly steep flight of stairs that Grandma had to put both feet on each step, and Fenella clutched the clammy brass rail and forgot all about the swan-necked umbrella. At the bottom, Grandma stopped. Fenella was rather afraid she was going to pray again. But no, it was only to get out the cabin tickets. They were in the saloon. It was glaring bright and stifling. The air smelled of paint and burnt chopped bones and India rubber. Fenella wished her grandma would go on, 
But the old woman was not to be hurried. An immense basket of ham sandwiches caught her eye. She went up to them and touched the top one delicately with her finger. How much are the sandwiches, she asked. Tuppence, bawled a rude steward, slamming down a knife and fork. Grandma could hardly believe it. Two pence each, she asked. That's right, said the steward, and he winked at his companion. Grandma made a small, astonished face. Then she whispered primly to Fenella, What wickedness! And they sailed out at the further door and along a passage that had cabins on either side. Such a very nice stewardess came to meet them. She was dressed all in blue, and her collar and cuffs were fastened with large brass buttons. She seemed to know Grandma well. Well, Mrs. Crane, said she, unlocking their washstand, we've got you back again. It's not often you give yourself a cabin. No, said Grandma, but this time, my dear son's thoughtfulness. I hope, began the stewardess, then she turned round and took a long, mournful look at Grandma's blackness and at Fenella's black coat and skirt, black blouse, and hat with a crepe rose. Grandma nodded. It was God's will, said she. The stewardess shut her lips, and, taking a deep breath, she seemed to expand. What I always say is, she said, as though it was her own discovery, sooner or later, each of us has to go, and that's a certainty, she paused. Now, can I bring you anything, Mrs. Crane? A cup of tea? I know it's no good offering you a little something to keep the cold out. Grandma shook her head. Nothing, thank you. We've got a few wine biscuits, and Fenella has a very nice banana. Then I'll give you a look later on, said the stewardess, and she went out, shutting the door. What a very small cabin it was. It was like being shut up in a box with Grandma. The dark round eye above the washstand gleamed at them dually. Fenella felt shy. She stood against the door, still clasping her luggage and the umbrella. Were they going to get undressed in here? Already her grandma had taken off her bonnet, and rolling up the strings, she fixed each with a pin to the lining before she hung the bonnet up. Her white hair shone like silk. The little bun at the back was covered with a black net. Fenella hardly ever saw her grandma with her head uncovered. She looked strange. 
I shall put on the woolen fascinator your dear mother crocheted for me, said Grandma. And unstrapping the sausage, she took it out and wound it round her head. The fringe of gray baubles danced at her eyebrows as she smiled tenderly and mournfully at Fenella. Then she undid her bodice, and something under that, and something else underneath that. Then there seemed a short, sharp tussle, and Grandma flushed faintly. Snip, snap, she had undone her stays. She breathed a sigh of relief, and sitting on the plush couch, she slowly and carefully pulled off her elastic-sided boots and stood them side by side. By the time Fenella had taken off her coat and skirt and put on her flannel dressing gown, Grandma was quite ready. Must I take off my boots, Grandma? They're laced. Grandma gave them a moment's deep consideration. You'd feel a great deal more comfortable if you did, child, said she. She kissed Fenella. Don't forget to say your prayers. Our dear Lord is with us when we are at sea, even more than when we are on dry land. And because I am an experienced traveler, said Grandma briskly, I shall take the upper berth. But Grandma, however will you get up there? Three little spider-like steps were all Fenella saw. The old woman gave a small silent laugh before she mounted them nimbly, and she peered over the high bunk at the astonished Fenella. You didn't think your grandma could do that, did you? said she. And as she sank back, Fenella heard her light laugh again. The hard square of brown soap would not lather, and the water in the bottle was like a kind of blue jelly. How hard it was, too, to turn down those stiff sheets. You simply had to tear your way in. If everything had been different, Fenella might have got the giggles. At last, she was inside, and while she lay there panting, there sounded from above a long, soft whispering, as though someone was gently, gently rustling among tissue paper to find something. It was Grandma saying her prayers. A long time passed, then the stewardess came in. She trod softly and leaned her hand on Grandma's bunk. We're just entering the straits, she said. Oh, it's a fine night, but we're rather empty. We may pitch a little. And indeed, at that moment, the Picton boat rose and rose and hung in the air just long enough to give a shiver before she swung down again and there was the sound of heavy water slapping against her sides. 
Fenella remembered she had left the swan-necked umbrella standing up on the little couch. If it fell over, would it break? But Grandma remembered, too, at the same time. I wonder if you'd mind, stewardess, laying down my umbrella, she whispered. Not at all, Mrs. Crane. And the stewardess, coming back to Grandma, breathed, your little granddaughters in such a beautiful sleep. God be praised for that, said Grandma. Poor little motherless mite, said the stewardess. And Grandma was still telling the stewardess all about what happened when Fenella fell asleep. But she hadn't been asleep long enough to dream before she woke up again to see something waving in the air above her head. What was it? What could it be? It was a small gray foot. Now another joined it. They seemed to be feeling about for something. There came a sigh. I'm awake, Grandma, said Fenella. Oh, dear, am I near the ladder? asked Grandma. I thought it was this end. No, Grandma, it's the other. I'll put your foot on it. Are we there? asked Fenella. In the harbor, said Grandma. We must get up, child. You'd better have a biscuit to steady yourself before you move. But Fenella had hopped out of her bunk. The lamp was still burning, but night was over and it was cold. Peering through that round eye, she could see far off some rocks. Now they were scattered over with foam. Now a gull flipped by. And now there came a long piece of real land. It's land, Grandma, said Fenella, wonderingly, as though they had been at sea for weeks together. She hugged herself. She stood on one leg and rubbed it with the toes of the other foot. She was trembling. Oh, it had all been so sad lately. Was it going to change? But all her grandma said was, Make haste, child. I should leave your nice banana for the stewardess, as you haven't eaten it. And Fenella put on her black clothes again and a button sprang off of one of her gloves and rolled to where she couldn't reach it. They went up on deck. But if it had been cold in the cabin, on deck it was like ice. The sun was not up yet, but the stars were dim, and the cold, pale sky was the same color as the cold, pale sea. On the land... A white mist rose and fell. Now they could see quite plainly dark bush. Even the shapes of the umbrella ferns showed, and those strange silvery withered trees that are like skeletons. Now they could see the landing stage and some little houses, pale too, clustered together like shells on the lid of a box. 
The other passengers tramped up and down, but more slowly than they had the night before. And they looked gloomy. And now the landing stage came out to meet them. Slowly it swam towards the Picton boat, and a man holding a coil of rope, and a cart with a small drooping horse, and another man sitting on the step came too. It's Mr. Penready, Fenella, come for us, said Grandma. She sounded pleased. Her white waxen cheeks were blue with cold. Her chin trembled, and she had to keep wiping her eyes and her little pink nose. You've got my yes, Grandma, Fenella showed it to her. The rope came flying through the air, and smack, it fell onto the deck. The gangway was lowered. Again, Fenella followed her grandma onto the wharf, over to the little cart, and a moment later, they were bowling away. The hooves of the little horse drummed over the wooden piles, then sank softly into the sandy road. Not a soul was to be seen. There was not even a feather of smoke. The mist rose and fell, and the sea still sounded asleep as slowly it turned on the beach. I seen Mr. Crane yesterday, said Mr. Penready. He looked himself then. Mrs. knocked him up a batch of scones last week. And now the little horse pulled up before one of the shell-like houses. They got down. Fenella put her hand on the gate, and the big, trembling dewdrops soaked through her glove tips. Up a little path of round white pebbles they went, with drenched, sleeping flowers on either side. Grandma's delicate white picotees were so heavy with dew that they were fallen, but their sweet smell was part of the cold morning. The blinds were down in the little house. They mounted the steps onto the veranda. A pair of old blukers was on one side of the door and a large red watering can on the other. Tut, tut, your grandpa, said grandma. She turned the handle, not a sound. She called, Walter, and immediately a deep voice that sounded half stifled called back. Is that you, Mary? Wait, dear, said grandma. Go in there. She pushed Vanella gently into a small, dusky sitting room. On the table, a white cat that had been folded up like a camel rose, stretched itself, yawned, and then sprang onto the tips of its toes. Fenella buried one cold little hand in the white, warm fur and smiled timidly while she stroked and listened to Grandma's gentle voice and the rolling tones of Grandpa. A door creaked. Come in, dear, 
The old woman beckoned. Fenella followed. There, lying to one side on an immense bed, lay Grandpa. Just his head with a white tuft and his rosy face and long silver beard showed over the quilt. He was like a very old, wide-awake bird. Well, my girl, said Grandpa, give us a kiss. Fenella kissed him. Ugh, said Grandpa, her little nose is as cold as a button. What's that she's holding? Her grandma's umbrella. Fenella smiled again and crooked the swan neck over the bed rail. Above the bed, there was a big text in a deep black frame. Lost. One golden hour. Set with sixty diamond minutes. No reward is offered, for it is gone forever. Your grandma painted that, said Grandpa, and he ruffled his white tuft and looked at Fenella so merrily she almost thought he winked at her. Good night.